You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to today's show, everyone. I'm the host of the Captain's Coach Podcast, Luke Poulos, bringing you a fantastic conversation today with Coach Chris Moreland. Coach Moreland is the founder of Moreland Strength, as well as Forming Life and Movement Skills. He's a health and physical education teacher, as well as a strength and conditioning coach at Cardinal Gibbons High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. He was a captain on the University of Tennessee Knoxville track and field team, and he has over 15 plus years of experience in coaching multiple sports, multiple athletes, and is extremely passionate about educating and training young athletes. Our conversation ranges from the formation of moral and strength and forming life and movement skills to transferable skills in athletics and life and what makes great leaders and captains. I definitely learned more than a few new concepts today and really enjoy the conversation in general. If you want to learn more about Coach Moreland and his unique mission, which I am a big fan of after learning more about it today, please visit morelandstrength.com. That's M-O-R-L-A-N-D strength.com. And thanks again for listening, everyone, on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Enjoy. Coach Moreland, thanks for coming on the show. Excited to have you. It's great to be here, Luke. I am uh, glad to be able to help uh, coaches and the athletes with the content that we're going to be talking about today. Excited to do so. Yeah, and I know I mentioned a little bit before we started recording that I'm excited to have you on as a strength and conditioning coach and, and a little, even more of that with some of the mentorship you do. Uh, unique perspective for sure, a little bit different from specific sports coaches and athletes and even some of the leadership development and authors we've had on here. It's a definitely a, a unique experience for you being able to see multiple sports, multiple athletes still in their athletic fields moving forward. But I think where I want to start is if you could just give a, a brief kind of rundown of where you started with Moreland Strength and now working at Cardinal, Cardinal Gibbons High School down in Raleigh, and then how that kind of moved to um, the forming life and skill, life and skills mm-hmm. movements, or life and movement skills for uh, youth athletes and, and kind of what your overall mission is. Yeah. So, uh, as a lifelong educator and coach, um, I got into this as an athlete, and I saw the value of coaching from the athlete standpoint. First started coaching at the University of Tennessee with decathletes, and they had an ability to, to not only uh, showcase their skills, but they transferred them to a lot of the places that weren't particularly track and field. And so as a graduate student, and and um, doing in the academic setting, I had the opportunity to coach. And my first coach there, the head coach, uh, Coach Webb, um, was mentoring me along. And I really enjoyed the experience. And, and as a result of that, saw coaching as an opportunity to really build up young men and women. And when I had an opportunity in Texas to start the process, 
of, of coaching, somebody, um, coach Rick Watkins, um, allowed me to coach the whole track team and then coach the throwers and be in the weight room and out on the track. And so where I'm going with this is that, uh, I always saw the potential as an athlete and a coach. And then when I was given the opportunity, I, I saw how these athletes thrive. They'd only won conference championships. Like we did the first year at, at UN, um, at, um, uh, UNT, but they also um, transferred those skills into life. And so that's, that's what kind of got me hooked on coaching. And it actually is what brought me here to North Carolina. And 15 years ago is the opportunity to coach at a, at a major uh, Division I university. Yeah, and that's, I think, the, the transferable skills is always a big one. Uh, one of my recent guests, author Fred Stuvek, in his, in his book, It Starts With You, that's one of his big things is, picking up transferable skills. And I think in sports and athletics, primarily at, at the division one level or, or just the college level in general, the leadership skills, the management skills, the interpersonal relationship skills that you pick up have such a high transferability to life in general. And once you leave college and, and college athletics in general. So I, and that's a, a, it's been a big inspiration for me as well. Um, doing this podcast, being a part of the captain's coach and, and even um, the, the six months after I graduated at West Point, I, I served as an athletic intern at the prep school and I got to be a, a lacrosse coach over there. So I was kind of the, the first taste of the military academy for a lot of those young guys coming into the prep school. So I can definitely um, understand the, the draw and, and the inspiration and the motivation to become a coach for sure. Um, and I know with, with moral and strength and, and now your newest venture forming, life and movement skills for, for youth athletes. And one of the things we kind of talked about before the show was kind of where do you see mm -hmm. the end of that? What is it, what does the ideal athlete look like at the end of going through your program or kind of the, the group of athletes look like at that? What's the end goal for this? Yeah. The, the process of forming life and movement skills, Luke really started um, as youth and it is in the United States. It started as youth. And so I want to use an illustration for those who are listening and also for you to think about how we developed our youth historically here in the United States. Um, so I grew up as a farm boy in the Midwest. And so my dad is still a farmer. He's been a farmer for 40 years. And there were certain skills as a farm boy that we learned and we might not even thought about them. It might be hard work ethic, sticking to it, finishing a, a job when we start it those type of things and and then using the illustration that you were just saying about military and being in the military there's a lot of discipline that comes from a military person and there's also accountability so uh, someone that is in the military they have to be able to receive and also communicate uh, commands really quickly and so there's there's that illustration and then if you flip over to a team setting or the chemistry on a team setting you have the same type of dynamics going on there. You have a coach and you have maybe captains and then you have other people on the team that form different roles and functions. So, so those are the three historical places that we've really gotten young men and women developed in our society. And now what I'm going to suggest is that we've kind of lost the first two a little bit. Um, the first one, there's a, not a lot of my kids. When I start sharing farm experiences, when I'm at school, it's very unique. Like a lot of kids don't have that background in farming or those, those principles and those skills. Not that they just didn't get it from their parents. I, I'm not talking about that. I, I think parents are doing the best job they can with the resources they've been given. But 
they're distant from that. Maybe they have a grandpa or, or somebody like that, that, that they're, that they're, that they have some kind of illustration to go by. And then in the second one in military, I, I, I love our military. My dad was a Vietnam vet still, you know, he went over, he served the country, but some of the things that the military are doing, I've had lots of students go on to the Navy and they're, you know, they're successful at it, but it's not the same as it used to be um, as far as the military. And, and I, and I, I think the military is doing the best job that they can given the, the resources and the things that are going on. And we all see those things, but really for me in the purity of coaching, the athletic team and the athletic setting is the purest and best one that we have left out of those three um, areas where we traditionally got our young men and women. And so, you know, that's why my passion, people say about me all the time, like you really got a passion to teach and coach. Yes, I do. Because my favorite teacher and coach was, was Mr. Springer, who was my health and PE and biology teacher, you know, growing up. And so uh, I can see how to give them that pathway for an opportunity to learn those skills uh, will not only make them more successful on their team, but more successful in life. And that's where forming life and movement skills in young athletes comes from is that idea. And I can give you some more background in a minute, but um, that paints, I guess, the backdrop of, of the need for me. Yeah, no, I, I love that mission. And it, it reminds me a little bit of part of the conversation I had with, with a guest a couple shows ago, Dr. Dale, um, over from Duke University. And one of the things he talked about in the, I asked him kind of what the biggest changes he saw in athletes over the past couple of decades has been. And he said, it's kind of, and it's nothing against the, the children uh, that are growing up now. And you could even throw my generation in there. Um, it's nothing against them and it's not blaming them, but it's kind of the environment that they grew up in. And the specific example that he used was when his kids were growing up, even just a few years ago, um, you know, they said, hey, can you come be the permanent pitcher for kind of a, a, a put together baseball game we're going to have in the park? And he was like, yeah, for sure. But you guys got to pick the teams, make up the lineups, all that. And he said it took them 20 minutes, a half hour, and they still hadn't done it because yeah, they weren't their used entire to lives, there's been some sort of supervision or a guardian or somebody to kind of set the rules and kind of mitigate all the risk associated with it. And it's really interesting you bring up the, the two perspectives of the, the, you know, kind of that manual labor background. My dad, um, I grew up, he was a landscaper, had his own landscaping company. So, you know, every summer, if I was in the house, that was a no-no. And I was, me and, me and my brothers, I have five brothers. So all, all of us were, if we weren't doing something productive, we were pulling weeds outside. So I can, and those life lessons, like you were saying, some of those old cliches, um, for sure were instilled in me at a young age. So I can, I can sympathize there. Um, and then he was also, like you said, uh, you're very passionate about sports because that was your favorite teacher growing up. My dad was my first coach and kind of my first teacher and all those things. So again, a lot of similarities here and uh, the military side for sure. Um, obviously I wasn't in the military. I've only been in the military for a little bit of time compared relative to how long it's been around, but I do hear that a lot, that it's changed a little bit. And, and again, it's kind of just adjusting to the environment, but that sports aspect, I think, like you said, has continued to be kind of the benchmark of well, where, yeah, go ahead. Let me jump in with just one skill, you know, far as like a, a final product, your question was, let me get mm -hmm. back to that is, um, 
in track and field, which is one of my backgrounds, I've done a lot of other sports. Um, throwing is really key for, for that to be successful, like the decathlon, like I used earlier. Um, and throwing is really a skill that has to be honed. It has to become better at it. It's a total body. You know, um, my dad was a great thrower. And the way he got to be good at throwing was throwing hedge apples at squirrels growing up in the country. And, uh, you know, anybody who's listening, that, that's kind of random. Um, but when he got drafted to Vietnam, uh, that came in really handy at throwing grenades. Yeah. That was a skill that, that actually they took away his gun and they just gave him grenades. And it not only saved his life, but it saved a lot of the guys around him because he had the ability to chuck this thing a long ways, 80 to 100 yards. You know, it was, it was crazy. And so, um, but then that skill led to my interest. I was a four-sport athlete in high school. I did baseball, basketball, football, and then I threw track and field. But when I was looking for a place to go, the University of Tennessee, um, I was good at throwing the javelin. And so I went through a junior college. I won two national championships, set a national record, but I got – I got interested in going to Tennessee and it was that skill going back to just one skill that, that led me on to be able to pursue coaching and the story I shared earlier about doing the decathlon that the Catholic that I taught how to do, do that skill um, ended up winning the open javelin that year, my first year of throwing, he, he was a Catholic, but he went, he won the open part of the decathlon and, and it was, it, it hooked me because that's the transferability of one skill. You can imagine like, we can talk nutrition, we can talk recovery, yeah, exactly. I mean, we can talk technique on certain exercises. And so skill development um, is, is key. And I can tell you a little bit more about theory and skill development. There's, there's a lot of theory that I, that I know that I use, but, but we're just talking about one skill, you know? <laughs> And there's so many more of those. And I see them categorized, like which one of these skills can I teach to these kids that will help them right now and then in the future? Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you could, that's just one small example of one skill yeah. over an entire course of an athletic career. How many of those skills can you pick up and kind of use, like you said, to, what, what's the next one that I can kind of ingrain or, or teach in these younger athletes that'll you know, push Absolutely. it to the next level where they can learn another skill and then another skill and, and kind of progress forward. They build on one another and they can, exactly. and there's families, if you will, of skills that they can do uh, that um, once they have the basic one down, and this is really a hot topic in our, in our culture right now is this whole idea of long-term athletic development. So being as one of the first kind of strength coaches, you know, on the podcast, I'll tell you that it's going really quickly. Um, they're even having something called LATD playgrounds. And so they're bringing all these physical education people in and they're bringing others in and they're, and they're talking about skill development on a long-term basis. And so high schools and, and, um, and physical edu education departments are getting savvy about this. And they're saying, once they become better movement people, this, the science is, is, uh, is, it's pretty clear then they're going to have higher competencies and other levels, cognitive included. And so, uh, you know, those skills are, I guess we keep saying transferable and that might just kind of be the theme of this podcast is uh, skills that are transferable, but um, that 
people are starting to see that, I think, at a wider level, and people are, are trying to include more stakeholders in the process. That's interesting. That's the first time I've heard um, kind of that transferability from the movement skills at a younger age to the, the cognitive development as well. Absolutely. Really interesting. Um, but it's good to see that, and it's just another aspect of, of, of athletics that is now making its way to the forefront. Um, and I think leadership is definitely right along with that. And it's kind of heading that direction as well. Teams are looking for the next competitive advantage that they can gain over opponents and other programs for sure. And, and I know Cardinal Gibbons has a, a great history and, and current successes on and off the field. What are some things that you see either athletes doing to kind of develop their leadership skills or some things that specific coaches are doing to kind of systematically developed leaders in their programs. Yes. So I'm going to keep this short. I know some of my explanations have got kind of long, but I think they built no, it back for, for this. Um, so when I came into Cardinal Gibbons five years ago, I branded the program Gibbons Strength. Gibbons is really our academic side, and it's everything that we do that ties to academics. And strength uh, is the strength conditioning side. And so in my beginning interviews, we talked about the baseball player that was out on the field that would come in and go to pottery class or go to arts class. And I'm actually on the arts hallway, which is amazing. I have a strength conditioning room right next to me is the pottery that around the corner is um, stringed instruments and then dance. I'm, I'm right there in the middle of it. And the, the reason I say that is because I think the fine arts and I think the skills that, that kids get in other areas influence the athletics and that's what makes a holistic child is that um, they're being challenged in another way some people call it right brain left brain creative side and logical side what I would say is it's really both sides and with their challenge in the classroom with a leadership opportunity and playing a piece and I'm just gonna call it a guitar piece because I know the guitar instructor and we talk in the hallway all the time he and uh, and we got a great relationship then I've seen those kids are also the ones that are great communicators. They're good on fine motor skills in other areas and they're, they're transferable. Um, and so leadership doesn't just take place in one area. I think sometimes coaches and maybe athletes can say, okay, we're in a team setting. Now it's time for me to lead. No, I, I don't think that's the model. I think uh, I'm a leader no matter where I go. And I, I don't flip a switch I'm a, I'm a leader that um, recognizes when there's a problem and I'm here to solve it. And that's what leaders do. They take their skills that they've learned and they, they piece it up with, with the problem and they collaborate collaborative or they lead the process. There's, there's, there's skills that happen right there on the job, if you will. And uh, that's, that's where I think that Cardinal Gibbons um, really with faith service and leadership they're serving their fellow person. They use the faith aspect, which we can talk about in a minute, but it's really, it's really great um, to be able to talk about it on a daily basis. And the leadership just kind of, it kind of flows in with that. It wraps it up really nice. Yeah. The, one, it's awesome that leadership is right there in, in the mission and, and one of the three basic tenets of Cardinal Givens and, and what the kind of the mission of the school is. And it's great to see that, combination creating a holistic development of individuals too often like you said coaches or programs or sports programs or teams are only concerned with 
on the field leadership or even just in the locker room leadership. Mm -hmm. Like you said, once they get away from the team, um, okay, now I'm just another normal person. I'm just sitting in class. I'm, I'm walking the hallways. I'm at home, you know, kind of turn the, like you said, a light switch, you know, mm -hmm. turn the leadership off, but you can't do that. And the best leaders are those that <clears throat> first and foremost are good people all around. Um, in general, they're just good citizens, good kids in the classroom, good in the locker room, good on the field, all the way across. And if you're able to combine all those and pull, like you said, from, you know, the creative side and the arts, bring it into the locker room, onto the field, back into the regular classroom, all together, you're going to enhance the leadership development and just bring about more of those skills. And they, like you said, that those transferable skills has kind of been the theme. Um, the more that you can bring those across different aspects and avenues of your life, uh, just the more enhanced they'll be. Yep. And the three guys we were talking before um, we, we kind of got going with this that I think about is the ones that started our weightlifting club and we call them the captains of our weightlifting club. And so I started with these guys about two and a half years ago. And here's a little undertow theme as it takes time to develop leadership skills and transferable skills. So, so Charlie Davis really started with me as a freshman. He just showed an interest in learning weightlifting movements. Well, before long, he was doing a clean and jerks and snatches. He said, hey, can I go to a meet? So a year and a half ago, we went to a meet. We competed in a meet for the first time. And he did excellent, had a great time. He's also a wrestler. Um, and then Archer and Robert, um, they came along and said, well, we want to give leadership to this club. And so for anyone that's listening, like when an adolescent or a teen or so shows an interest in something, I think it's our job as coaches and leaders is to open up a lane for them to do that, to get creative about it and say, what do you guys think? So we got together, we did a dry race board. We wrote out the mission of the club. We wrote out what things we would like to see. We said, if we get 10 people during this time, we get t-shirts. And so that was a very collaborative process, but I've noticed that they've taken ownership of it now and that they really want to see this be successful. And in leadership, ownership is the is one of the most important things to put the finger on right away. Um, in using an illustration from movement, if someone doesn't own their movement, then they're bad movers. But if they do own their movement, then all of a sudden they care about what other people look like when they use techniques and they're helping them. And that's what these three guys are doing. They're helping them with these techniques. There's kids coming in all the time and, and they're just flowing off and helping them with technique. It's a wonderful thing to see. It's a coach's dream to be able to see these kids like uh, these three guys, captains, if you will, on the floor, you know, taken after it. And then with the skill aspect, the same thing. When people take ownership of their skills, uh, we talked earlier about throwing, and all of a sudden, they, when they own it and it's theirs, then there's something, there's a purpose for that. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way that they're going to use it, that they see it. And so uh, transferable skills really lead the end result as ownership. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to own this skill and I'm going to use it whenever I get the opportunity to. Yeah, for sure. Ownership's always one of the most important aspects of leadership you can have, you know, taking responsibility for when things go not so great, not the way you want them to. And that's know, a good point. Given, yeah. given that success to, to others and not keeping it for yourself, just the, the ownership piece, if you can't own up to your own stuff, then you're never going to be able to take ownership for an entire team or group. And I think one of the really great things that you mentioned right at the beginning of that was 
you saw these kids, these athletes showing sincere interest in something and you really nourish that and encourage them to kind of make it their own. And I think that's what coaches in sports should do with their leaders is sit down with them, you know, do a whiteboard session, set out your goals, obviously. But on top of that, you know, what is this culture going to look like? What kind of kids do we want to bring onto this team? What is the end state? What are we really trying to accomplish? And then on top of that, once you're able to kind of communicate that, that end result, communicate that intent, you let them kind of drive the boat, you know, you let them, let them kind of take it where it needs to go and let them have that ownership. And like you said, it wasn't long before more kids were in the weight room and, and these guys were going up to them, correcting them on their own without you even having to interfere. Yeah. And, and Luke, like you were saying is that um, when they take ownership there, it's more rewarding and they'll help with setting goals. I think one of the underlying things that we haven't talked a lot about is goal setting and especially with young athletes. And I think with a lot of people, they have to have that experienced person to come along and say, what does this goal look like? You know, what, what is the end result that you're going for and help them guide them, if you will, mentor them towards what a good goal is. And it's got to be a smart goal. We've always heard that before, but it's got to be realistic. It's got to be something that they're on their way to do. And, um, but that's one of the aspects that, that we miss, I think, is what is that goal and put a timeline on it. And then if it doesn't come up, you made a great point. If it doesn't, if we don't meet that goal, come back together and say, okay, we didn't meet that goal. You know, we're not a failure. Um, we're going to go forward from this and we're going to learn from what we did and we're going to reshape, reform, and we're going to do it better next time. What do you think? And a very few times when I'm in that conversation, somebody said, otherwise, then let's go for it again. Yeah, exactly. And it's that dealing with adversity and that goal setting. And I think you're exactly right in that we don't do a good enough job with younger athletes in kind of teaching them how to set goals. You know, you, you might get it depending on what kind of high school you go to. You might get it at some point in college if you're involved with athletics and you have a good performance psychology or performance development department, you might get some of that. Um, or if you're in a leadership or management position, you might get those goals as well. But I mean, there's no reason why you can't teach a freshman in high school, hey, where do you want to be in four years? You know, what are your goals for college? What are your goals for a career long term? There's no reason why. And as a freshman or a sophomore or a junior in high school, as a high school student, there's no reason you can't go to a teacher or another successful coach or successful athlete in your community and say, hey, how did you get where you were? You know, what kind of goals did you have? How do I set these goals? Um, and then the second piece where you're talking about is when you miss those goals, it's, it's not a big deal. As long as you're able to respond to that, or I shouldn't say it's not a big deal. The big deal is how you respond to it. Exactly. If, if you respond to it in a positive way and like you said, Hey, we're going to learn from this and you can move forward. Like that, that it's almost better than reaching your goal and kind of sitting on your laurels a little bit and saying, Oh, I'm, I met my goal. This is great. Um, but if you miss that goal and you're able to kind of regather the team and, and take another step and attain even more the next time. Yep. So um, what is a captain? What is a coach? You know, uh, we've talked about captains, you know, I've, I've talked about my experience. I've talked about weightlifting captains, if you will. And, and then what is a coach, you know, uh, this word gets thrown around a lot, but um, the, the guy that I teach in the same classroom with, he's got a doctorate in leadership from Duke and, 
His name is uh, Coach Stephen Wright, and I've learned a lot from him. One of the first things, though, when we started teaching together is this, this idea of a coach and what's the origin and what does a coach do? And uh, what he taught me was it was a, a coxie, which is a carriage. A coach is a carriage. And so what a coach does is a coach carries his athletes along, helps them and guides them, and eventually he hopes that they'll do the same. He hopes they're going to be peer coaches and they're going to carry their team and they're going to carry the people around them. But the origin of the word really gives the function of what a coach does. It doesn't have to be a flashy guy. It doesn't have to be all over social media. Um, a coach is one that carries those around him. And so, and I think the captain really is kind of one of the, the guys that's looked to, to do that that's within the team setting. And so when you look at both of those, um, I think it kind of paints a picture of what's the final result we're going for with, with, um, with these, these kids or these adolescents or this team. You know, we want to see them carried along goal-wise. We want to see them reach their goals. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take some nurturing. It's going to be a process. And um, so <laughs> the process starts with right thinking, right actions or behaviors, and then good habits. And once someone has really good habits, it's going to flow over into a lifestyle. And so we always say we want to have a great lifestyle, but then that lifestyle then creates a destiny for success. But it all starts with right thinking and it's all a process. And I think more than anything, what I try to get to, to my, my students and athletes and other ones is you've got to enter into the process to get to that end result. And if you see it that way, you can see steps along the way and it's, 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 going, to, it's going to keep building on itself. Yeah, wow. Uh, definitely learning a lot today from you, Coach Moreland. Um, I'd never even really thought about fundamentally what a coach does and, and finding out the origins of it. And I think that's a great way to kind of conceptualize what a coach is and what a coach's responsibility is. And then right there after that, a captain is a direct reflection of that as, as a peer on the team. And one of the great quotes from Greg Popovich is that a, a player coach team will always outperform a coach coach team. Mm -hmm. that's exactly that is good a captain, a captain needs to be and there's a quote on our website you know a team full a team full of lions led by a sheep will be beat by a team full of sheep led by a lion and mm -hmm. it really comes down to that leadership and not so much leading from authority but leading by your personality your influence your interpersonal skills and and for sure the the second part of what you're talking about i love that the right actions or right thinking, right actions lead to habits and then a lifestyle. It, it always bugs me. And I, and I picked this up from a book. People kind of look at high performing people and they say, oh, they're so disciplined. They have so much more discipline than I do. Kind of bugs me because I, I don't believe that's true. And I forget what book I got it from. It might've been the compound effect, but he, he, in it, he talks about, he's like, no, no, no. Like it's not that they have more discipline is they've used their di discipline in a way that they've developed habits. Because once you develop a habit, it doesn't take any discipline to perform a habit. It, that's exactly the definition of it. So it's just they've, they've directed their discipline to one or two actions that mm -hmm. they want to develop into habits. And then once they're habits, they kind of bring upon the next thing. And I think that's a great thing. Again, these transferable skills, mm -hmm. it's one more thing that you can kind of, you know, once you tune your mind to it, you can start doing it. Um, disciplined initiative in, in those actions. And then like I said, the compound effect just kind of takes effect and now you have habits and now you got a whole new lifestyle kind of created around that. 
which creates a destiny. And I think yes. that our kids are really destined to, for success if they enter into the process. And I could, I could share uh, NCAA champions. I could share ACC champions when I coached in the college rim or I've coached multiple state champions, uh, teams and individuals in the high school setting. And I could take each one of them and I could say, these are the five habits that they developed that allowed them to do that. Yes, there's going to be people that are going to go, here's their movements and here's their verticals and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to make a case, you know, in the future that it's these transferable habits that you might not think of so much that led to these ones over here that you do think of. And I think that's the best thing that we can do realistically with our youth to say, if you've got bad habits, I've never seen a champion with bad habits. All right. It just doesn't happen. Um, I have seen multiple ones that work out when they know they should, they recover when they should, they eat when they should. Um, they're hydrating, they're doing all of these other things. Um, they're taking care of their own mental health, which is another thing for another day. Um, uh, they're not stressed out all the time because they're self-managing their time, not time management, but self-managing their time. And those are the ones that I see. They're the ones that are knocking on my door at 6.30 in the morning and they got a plan for their day. Yeah. And this is the ones that are, that are sneaking in at the end of the day at five o'clock going, can I get a workout in? You know, um, there's a big difference between those, those two individuals. Yeah. And so I guess it's kind of a study in myself too, but um, life and movement haps together. And those that have great life skills have great movement skills. And that comes from a, that comes from a guy that was making a presentation um, to a bunch of really smart people. And, um, and uh, it's on my website, but it's in, um, it's in Acts 1728. And it says that, that that basically is the origin of how we can be successful is we combine those life and movement skills together. And when we have better movement skills, we have better life, we have better life skills, we have better movement skills. And so that's what I would recommend for listeners to follow along because I really think that it, it does our, our youth justice to give them that realistic picture as parents, as coaches, and, you know, as stakeholders, whoever it is, schools, health and PE departments, I mean, we got to give them the realistic thing, not the pie in the sky, if they're going to be successful for the long term. Yeah, exactly. And it really is the combination of all of those aspects coming together that, that make a great athlete and a great individual uh, on, a, on a holistic level, for sure. And I know you just mentioned the the range of athletes and the success they've had over the years as a coach and, and as a peer, if you had to pick, and I don't want to put you on the spot too much here, coach Moreland, but no, go ahead. if you had to pick maybe one or two of the, the greatest captains or, or just leaders in sports that you've ever experienced firsthand. And, and if you could share kind of what made them so successful as a leader. Mm-hmm. No, those are, those are, that's a good question. And I'm going to pick one individual and one team sport person um, because I, th I think there's a, there's a lot of people that go towards team, but uh, this individual was a Canadian gymnast that I coached back at NC state uh, 2007. And uh, she, Kristen was so diligent in the stuff outside of the room. She, we would communicate all the time about it, what she had to do and how much she had to do. And I remember leading up to her biggest competition ever, and she said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to compete 
like I've practiced and I really think that I can win it all. And I, that was a real lesson for me because she trained, she trusted her training and she was a 10 meter platform. So you're talking about hitting the water at 30 plus mile an hour. I mean, it is no joke. <laughs> and she had practiced and she knew that she could do it. And um, she had set everything kind of around the, that objective and she'd prioritized and managed it. And so she was gonna be successful. That's, a, that's like a single um, person. Um, the, uh, the team person that I think I'd like to, to mention, uh, the most is one of the kids that's in my class right now. So I teach during the day and, um, Jalen, Jalen is a, is a guy that has put in the work over the last few years and he's a senior now. He's going to go to army, um, and he's going to be a wrestler and football player. They're less on the wrestling, maybe more, more on the football, that's but awesome. he's really put, he's really put in the work over time to establish himself. Um, and we talk about skill management a lot. And so um, we're talking the other day, I was like, why don't we practice what we're doing in here? And then when you go to army, you know, you always have always have those things in place. And so he has done the leadership work ahead of time. And I can see that by the way he motivates his guys. He's a middle linebacker, alpha type. I mean, he has put in the work. And so when he went to States, I was asking some of the other guys and they said, well, he's going to compete because he's trained himself to compete. And I think what he's done is put in the work in the last three years and the success has come as a result of that. And so work ethic is one of those things. We just talked about discipline. And uh, I think everyone knew that he had a shot at it if he was going to make it. Yeah. And the both examples, I think, kind of highlight the, the importance of a good work ethic and that discipline and forming good habits. And, and I love this. This is a, yeah, I can't remember where I got it from, but um, you always hear practice like you're going to play. And Absolutely. I think a, a better, a better way of thinking of that is practice, make practice a competition and then make your competition kind of go into it with a mindset of it, this is practice. And it, it, it kind of, not in the way of it doesn't really mean anything, it's just a practice, but in the mindset of, okay, I've done all the hard work during the week. You know, this yeah. is the fun part. This is when I can kind of relax and kind of just let all of that muscle memory kind of come back and, yeah. and, and not take it too seriously to the point where I'm psyching myself out and I'm not just focused on myself and I can kind of mm -hmm. see my teammates and everything around me. So I've always liked that, that, um, that mindset of, of, practicing every day like it's it's game day and then once game day comes around almost treat it like a practice and kind of a low stress environment and just letting your instincts take back over so yeah it sounds yeah. like that was your what your um the, the first athlete you mentioned Kristen that's what she did and and in the same way it, kind of Jalen is doing what he's doing now in lead up to um you know kind of going to the military academy and getting his mind right for there it's already in place Yep. They have a program in Raleigh here called the Extra Effort Award, and they go around to the different high schools and they pick out um, leaders, if you will. And I will, I will almost bet if you Google like um, the Extra Effort Award in WREL in Raleigh, I will almost bet that each one of those people that they have picked are captains on their teams, they're leaders. And then they show them in their normal environments, and then they do a little se segment on the show, like sports show at night. And they always show like them lifting weights or training. It's, it's you, everything, every single one. And I, I look for that image because 
I know that that is what we're talking about. That's their training. That's them preparing themselves for success. And it can't be left out of a captain who is going to be nominated as an extra effort person. And it's a really, really popular show around here um, that everybody looks forward to on the sports segment. Uh, the extra effort award. All the area high schools, got to, they can nominate and then these, these students are standouts. So it's kind of a way to wrap this up, you know, that those are the tangible results of it done right. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely going to have to check that out because I find that extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, for sure, that, that extra effort and leading by example is almost one of the, the core characteristics you need to have as a captain or a leader. If you're not doing these things and no one else under you, no one following you is going to do it because why would they? If you can get to be where you're at and not doing those things, what are these, what are the people looking up to you? What are they going to, what's the message you're sending? Um, yep. Sure. Uh, and I know I don't, I don't want to take too much more of your time, Coach Marlin, but I got to ask you one of my favorite questions. Um, Absolutely. It's different every time. Uh, what is your definition of leadership? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I like that. Um, what does a leader do? Uh, how does a leader act? Um, a leader is one that influences. And so for me, at the core of leadership is, is influencing those around me for a positive environment. Um, our mission on our door that I, that I created is creating a positive environment that's relational and that gets results. And so I think a leader will create a positive environment. I think a leader will find a way to relate. You know, no matter if they're, they're animated about it or, or not, or they're passionate, they will find a way to relate. And uh, we, are, we are relational in the way that we understand others. And then the last thing, because those two are in place, it's positive and it's relational, that there will be results. And if they keep after that process, then the results will really show for themselves in the future. And that's what we found. We were... Um, a number one all sports high school a couple years ago. So across all sports, we scored the best, you know, and got the, you know, got the, the, the trophy for being the, the best high school. And I think it goes back to the environment, the relationships that we've had at Cardinal Gibbons, the ones that I'm trying to forge out in the community with moral and strength and um, really forming life and movement skills in young athletes. And then the results come. But we're, for some reason, a culture that, that looked to the results before the process. And mm -hmm. I just think that's backwards. So that's my definition of leadership. Yeah, I love it. And right off the bat, influence the second tenet of leadership at the, at the captain's coach. Leadership is influence. And, and, you know, you had another piece in there that I love is, is the relational aspect because it reflects another one of our tenets is that leadership is, is expression. And it's really how you express yourself to others and how others kind of receive you. And I think of leadership not so much as a, a skill or a characteristic that one has more, more so than I do. I think of it as a, a relationship you have with those around you and, and those are following. You know, before we said, you know, in order to be a leader, you got to be a follower or either you have to have followers. There's got to be people following you or else you're just walking. So uh, I love that idea, the, the influence and the relationship. And then obviously you got to have that, that positive end state that the goal that you're trying to attend to attain. So I, I love that definition. Very, very similar to one that I would hold uh, myself personally and kind of what we shape and kind of form at the captain's coach for sure. Um, but uh, I know you've given a lot of advice. 
if you could just leave us here with the with the last bit, um, is there anything else you would advise young athletes or coaches to do yeah. anything for them to kind of develop their leadership skills or kind of inspire their their younger athletes to do the same? Absolutely. This might be the most important thing that I do mention the whole time is to never give up on that budding student, that budding athlete. Um, my health and PE coach, uh, Mr. Springer, never gave up on me and even had a conversation with my dad kind of a lot, uh, kind of a way in back. And I didn't hear about for years after that because I was a late developer. And uh, because they decided they weren't going to give up on me, then I ended up being a, a leader on the basketball team. I ended up starting on the football team and, and um, pitching on the baseball team and, and eventually earning a full-ride scholarship at the University of Tennessee. So I would say um, when, you're, when you're looking for leadership, don't ever give up on the kid that you wonder if he's going to develop those skills. Because that just might be the kid that ends up being that leader and that influencer and that captain. Because they come in a lot different forms than we might we might think. Um, so, yeah, I'd give that advice, or I wouldn't be doing this podcast today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I love that. I love that advice because I think it, it's all too often that coaches and players, they and and programs, they kind of view leadership as something you're born with. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. And kind of the same thing with athletic skills at a certain point, people kind of just give up, but people forget leadership is a developed skill. It's a skill that can be trained. It's a skill that can be developed. And, and obviously that's a core mission at the captain's coach we have is getting people to understand that just because someone doesn't show these traits or these attributes as a younger athlete, there's no reason that you can't intentionally systematically develop these kind of individuals in your program through you. So I, I love that. Never give up on, yeah. on the, those athletes that you don't think aren't there. Cause you never know. They could be the next uh, coach Moreland, you know? Well, I, I hope that I get a chance. They say a high school coach has a chance to influence a lot of kids and I hope I get to influence a lot more. You know, I'm in it for the next uh, 15, 20, 30 years. And so I think what you guys are doing at this uh, captain's coach is awesome. And uh, when I talked to Jackson before, now that I've talked to you, um, we need to open up the pathway for kids to really develop their leadership skills. And, and listening to these type of podcasts, I'm going to recommend these to my three captains I was mentioning earlier. And I think that's a way to facilitate the conversation. We need to talk about it. That's the first thing. And then we need to hold uh, them uh, to the goals that they set. And so I think what you guys are doing great, Luke, keep up the good work. Awesome. And I appreciate it, Coach Mullen. I appreciate you coming on. Is there anywhere that uh, our listeners out there can learn more about you and, and your mission and what you're doing with, with, with Moreland Strength and the yep. forming life and movement skills? Yeah. So I'm blogging on morelandstrength.com. And as, um, as I continue to move towards doing summer camps this summer, I'd like to reach 50 families. I'm looking to speak about five times and I'm partnering hopefully with five organizations and so um, we've been at this for about three or four years. So you can learn more about that. I'm out on Twitter, more strength, M-O-R, no E, strength. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. And um, we're putting stuff out generally to encourage the, the young athlete on how to develop their movement and their life skills. So we're doing the best we can. And we're going we're gonna to keep going after it uh, until we see those skills and movements developed. 
Awesome. I love it. Moralandstrength.com. Definitely getting added to my bookmarks and about to be my most visited site. And uh, more strength, M-O-R strength on, on all other social media platforms. Thanks again, Coach Moreland. I really appreciate your time uh, this, this evening. Um, and, and good luck with the, the rest of the school year and the rest of your, your spring sports. Yeah. Well, thank you, Luke. It's been a great uh, experience being on the podcast, and I look forward to seeing where you guys are going in the future. I'm excited for you. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.